Hey, Connect. My name is Randy, and I, I pastor Bayside Community Church. I'm really good friends with your pastors, Derek and Stacy, and uh, just talking with them about what's coming and uh, what's ahead of you guys. Man, it, it's really exciting. I know Derek and Stacy are extremely excited about it, and as they begin to share with me what's to come, uh, God just stirred in me uh, something to share with you guys. Here at Bayside, I did a message called One Day, and that message really speaks exactly to where your church is. The days that are coming ahead of you and the opportunities that are coming ahead of you, it's really only God could orchestrate something like this. And I'm really excited about sharing this message with you guys. Get ready because what God is getting ready to do there in the Boston area through you guys is going to be a day that you'll never forget. I'm excited about this message. I pray that it blesses you. I'm really excited about this, uh, this service today. Come on, how many of you glad you'd rather be here than the best hospital in town? You know what I'm saying? Come on now. It's good to be here. Um, so uh, how many of you have had some days, uh, some things that have happened in your life before that kind of like were pivotal in your life? I mean, it's kind of like a, a, it marked your life and your life has never been the same. Some of those are really good, right? Some of those days are really bad. You can think back on some of those days and you're like, you know what, man, my life will never be the same since then. Actually reminds me of Boudreaux, by the way. All right. So I'm from South Louisiana. So we tell a lot of Boudreaux jokes here. So, so Boudreaux one day is, uh, you know, he drives in town on his moped and this guy's in his Camaro, looks like Bumblebee, you know, and it's supposed to be a fast car. And, and Boudreaux's like, man, my moped is so much faster than that car, man. And so they get, and they like, all right, well, let's, let's have a race. So they, they set up and they're getting ready to race. And and, and, and they start the race, and the, and the Camaro just whirr, takes off and, and just leaves Boudreaux sitting in the dust. Well, about halfway down the track, Boudreaux comes flying by this Camaro like, whoom. And then about three-quarters down the track, the Boudreaux on his moped, whoom, going that way. And then right before the finish line, Boudreaux comes by that Camaro one more time, whoom, and beats him across the finish line. Boy, that guy pulls over his Camaro, and he can't believe it. It's, and Boudreaux pulls up to him, and that guy says, man, what in the world you have in that moped? He said, I told you what I got. I got my suspender caught on your rearview mirror. <laughs> Come on, I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. Isn't that right? <laughs> I forgot all about that joke. I'm glad I remember that one, so. So, uh, so here's the deal. Maybe that was a good day for Boudreaux. Maybe it was just Randy trying to work a joke in his sermon. But, uh, but we've all had days that really marked our lives. I, I can, uh, for me, some of mine, I remember January 30th of 1992, the day I prayed with my brother in his office and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Come on, that was a good day for me. And uh, amen. You know, I, I think of the, the day that I saw Amy in the health club working out and Asked her for her phone number so we could go on our first date. And she told me to look up her phone number in the phone book. Oh, I remember that day. <laughs> Forever marked my life. I'm damaged, you know, by that. You know, I remember the, the day that I overdosed on drugs and the church rallied and began to pray for me and God gave me life again and gave me another chance to serve him. That's a day that's forever marked 
my, my life. There's a day that, you know, history had just changed who I am. I can also think of uh, June 12th, my wedding day, 1993, the day I got married. Come on, somebody. That was the day that really changed my life for the good. Amen. I'll never forget that day. I think of the day when each one of my children were born. You know, each one of those days, uh, it changed my life forever, mostly for the good, but it definitely, it did. It changed, changed my life. I think of uh, January of 2002, driving around in what's, what I now understand as East Manatee County or out east, and uh, God spoke to me about starting Bayside Community Church. You know, there, there's so many days like that in my life that have marked me. They were, they were days that just changed who I am and how I see things and how I live my life, and, and you have those days as well. Things that happen in your life, good and bad, that, that will forever mark your life. It's, it's part of the history of, of your life. It's part of who you are right now. And each of those days were opportunities where we could seize that moment and God forever changed us and used that for our life. Look at this first verse in your notes in Ephesians chapter 5. One of my favorite verses. It says, so be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise but live wisely. Use every day. Come on, circle those two words there. Every day that you have for doing good. As we launch this new series today called One Prayer, uh, we've done this series, in fact, for, for three years now during the summer, and we partner with, with thousands of churches all over the world, and, uh, and, and we've been able to uh, hear from pastors from all over our nation really, uh, about what their one prayer for the church would be. And we're going to do that series again. We're going to do it a little bit different this year. I thought rather than hearing from other pastors around the country uh, about what their one prayer for the church is, uh, we're going to take this series and we're going to hear from pastors at our church. What would be their one prayer for the church? And uh, I'm launching it this weekend, and I want to share with you what my one prayer for the church it would be. My prayer for the church would be that we would seize our one-day opportunities to make an impact in our community and the people all over the Sun Coast, that we would live every day with purpose, that we would seize those one-day opportunities so that we could mark people's lives and forever change their history. Bayside, if I had one prayer for us as a church, that's what it would be, that we would seize every day as an opportunity, as a one day that could change someone's life. Here's what we're going to do so I can kind of share this principle and this heart behind this principle. I want to study the New Testament church. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Acts chapter 3. Uh, the Acts, the book of Acts in the, in the New Testament, if you don't have your Bible, that, that's cool. By the way, you know you can uh, download an app on your smartphones. It's called YouVersion. Uh, it's a Bible app. You can go on there, and you can also uh, go to the, to the live portion of that in Bayside, is, uh, is part of that, and you can pull up our notes and the scriptures and everything right there on your, your iPhone or your smartphone, and you can type in notes, and you can check that out and follow along with us. So and if you don't have your Bible, yeah, somebody's got it pulled up up here as well, uh, so you can follow along right there. But, but anyway, if you don't have your Bible, that's cool. We'll have it on the screen, or it's, it's on your notes there. Here's what we're going to study. Everybody say one day. One day. We're going to study what happened one day in the life of the church. When the church was birthed in the book of Acts, there was this one-day moment that the disciples seized, and it forever changed the church. It forever changed the world. It forever changed the nation. It changed history. It, it, changed, it changed us. And, uh, and, and here's the cool part about it, right? So Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, right, the day of Pentecost. And, and Christ promises, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to empower you guys so that you can go be witnesses and help people know about me. 
Well, Acts chapter 2, that happens. Then the Holy Spirit comes and the place is shaking and there's fire and people are getting saved and it's crazy, right? And the first thing that happens after the Holy Spirit comes and lives are are empowered or the disciples are empowered, this is what we're going to study of this story. So it's almost like what the church should still be doing now. Now, in Bible study, you learn this thing called the law of first mention. That when something's mentioned in the Bible the first time, it's its purest form of what it's all about. This is the first thing that the church is doing. So I would say this probably is the most important thing that we could be doing as a church, right? So let's take a look. Look with me in Acts chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1. Actually, we're going to read all the way through verse 8. It says, one day. Come on, everybody say it again. Say, one day. All right, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Christ of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, Peter helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Come on, that's an awesome story right there. I mean, God did something powerful there. I, I love the, the New Testament church. If you want to get excited about God and the church, just read the book of Acts because God does some cool things and we get to do those things too, right? So through this story, we're going to study uh, the importance of these one-day opportunities. In a one-day church, what, what would a one-day church look like? Or, or a person who seizes one-day opportunities, what would they look like? Well, first of all, you need to know a one-day church is willing to be interrupted. From this story right here, we can see that that Peter and John were on their way to the church. You know, the first three verses, it says they were on the way to the temple to pray. And this beggar, this crippled man, was put at this gate called Beautiful, and he was there every day. And then finally, they walk up there, and they notice him, right? And they see him there. I wonder how many times and how many people actually walk past this crippled man and never even noticed him because they were so caught up in what they were doing. They were on their way to church. Now, I've been to this very spot right there where the temple is, and I saw this place, and it's, it's crowded. You know, that's where people are coming in and out. You know, they're, they're going to the temple to worship. And so church and serving God is a very important part to them. I mean, it's part of the, as much being a, a, an Israelite as it is being a Jew, like the religious side of this. And so everybody's there, and they're walking past this guy, and they never even notice him. But Peter and John were willing to be interrupted. You know, I was in L.A. a couple of weeks ago. I was speaking at the Dream Center there, which is a, a ministry that reaches out to the hurting and the homeless and the drug addicts and, 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 the, and, and women that have been rescued from uh, sex trafficking. And I mean, it's just an amazing place. Matthew Barnett runs that, and he invited me to come, and I got to go speak there a couple of weeks ago. So um, I went over to the uh, Skid Row in downtown L.A. to go see that, which is a, you know, a, about a four or five block area in downtown L.A., um, and, and it's, you wouldn't believe, there's, there's somewhere estimated between eight and 10,000 homeless people 
that live there. It's like a tent city, you know, and people are living in boxes and tents and their little buggies and, and uh, you know, and then prostitution is happening everywhere and people are strung out on drugs and their kids and homeless people. And it's 10 o'clock in the morning when I went by there and, and the, the, the just people are just shot, man. They're, they're gone. They're just so addicted to drugs and they're so messed up. And, and it, it messed me up. It really it rocked my world. And, uh, and, and uh, we need to, as a church, we need to realize that there are one-day opportunities in this community as well. And, uh, and we drive by them all the time, and we don't even notice them. And you know the thing that blew me away is, uh, is the fact that this, this place, this skid row in L.A., is five blocks away from one of the largest financial districts in the entire nation. Every dollar resource you could ever need to solve the problems are right there. But people are too busy with their lives to be interrupted by what's happening five blocks away. In fact, they don't even drive in and out of downtown that way. They go around it. So they don't even have to be bothered with it. See, the church is called to be interrupted with what we're already doing to see the people like this man who need a one-day opportunity with Jesus Christ. I didn't think I was going to cry today, but golly, I can't help it when I talk about this kind of stuff. You know, and the problem with, with us, just like the problem those days, is we're so caught up in what we need. Most of our prayers, come on, if we had to admit it, most of our prayers are for God to make us comfortable, right? God, you know, get me a job or, you know, get, you know, get me a husband or a wife or get me another husband, you know, <laughs> A, a different one, you know. I don't like this one, you know. <clears throat> Come on, isn't that right? Come on, God, help me sell my house, or Lord, get me another house, or do I rent, or do I buy, or what job, or what do I do? And and it's all about us and and and, and what we need. And, and God wants our lives to be interrupted. We need to be interrupted as a church. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> we need to be interrupted. Our own schedules. We need to be interrupted by our own schedules. If you think about it, though, most of us came to Christ because somebody was willing to be interrupted and share the love of Christ with us. We wouldn't be here today if somebody wasn't willing to be interrupted. I think in my life, I think back in Baton Rouge when, when I was in my drug days and I had a Jeep and I'd love to go mud ride and I'd get it stuck and then I'd, you know, try to get it out. And this guy named Casey Hennigan who was He's a good friend of mine, even still now, pastors a church in northwest Arkansas. He was in the youth group and leadership at the church at Bethany there I grew up in, and he had a Jeep as well. And so this one time, I was so stuck, and I was so far in the woods, there was no way to get out, man. And so I called him on the phone. I'd play basketball sometimes with him, and so I knew he was a Christian, and I called him up. I said, Casey, I'm stuck, man. Would you come help me? It was Friday night. And he came out there, and he said, sure, I'll be right over, Randy. And he comes out there, I mean, deep in the woods, and gets to where I am, and he shows up. I'm so thankful to see him. And sitting in the passenger seat is his girlfriend, and they're dressed to the nines, man. They're about to go on their date. And he came out there, interrupted his own schedule to love me and to help me. See, if it wasn't for people like Casey, I wouldn't be where I am right now. We need to be interrupted. You know, a one-day church... A one-day person is willing to be interrupted from what you're already doing and what's important to you to help other people connect with Christ. See, a one-day church also pays attention to others' needs. See, not only were they willing to be interrupted, but they actually paid attention. They gave attention to 
someone else's needs. Look with me in Acts chapter three, this verse four, right? Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Remember, these guys are on their way to church, right? I mean, they got a schedule. They got to be there for three o'clock prayer. Don't want to be late. You know, the place is going to be crowded. Somebody's going to get my seat. You know, it's just, you know, it's going to be a mess. I got to get my, my Smoothie King before service starts, you know. I don't miss worship because that's way better than the preaching. So we got to hurry up. You don't have time to get bothered with this person right here. But they stopped and they looked at him and they noticed him. I mean, there's so many things they could have said. I mean, they could have said, you know, he was, he was right there at the temple gate, at the temple courts, this beggar. They could have said, man, I, I thought this was gate beautiful. What are we doing with an with a ugly looking beggar, homeless person here? I mean, I, I thought that, you know, the church was supposed to look nice. And man, what, you know, he's messing up the shrubbery and the landscape, man. What's up with that? We don't want these kind of people around here. I thought the church was supposed to be just for good looking people, right? Well, you can look around this church and tell it ain't just supposed to be for good looking people. Come on. <laughs> Isn't that right? Come on. We're we not really that good looking, but we definitely love God, you know. We don't know we're not that good looking, but we don't care. We just love God, right? I mean, church is not supposed to be a museum to show off how good people are. It's supposed to be a hospital for sick people. Isn't that right? And, and we get frustrated when somebody's in my spot or, you know, I don't go to church or the traffic, you know, and it takes too long, you know, and, and, you know, and it's raining and it's inconvenient. And, man, we find all kind of excuses and we don't pay attention to other people's needs. We're not here just for our needs, people. Come on, somebody. We're here for other people's needs. And we get so busy talking to our friends and what's happening around us. We don't, or what's happening in our lives, we don't notice what's happening around us. I mean, these guys, they were on their way to church. They could have also gotten there and they could have said, oh, oh a beggar. They, you know, this church, all they want is more money for another project to help somebody else, you know. They could have gotten upset about that. You know, there's so many things they could have gotten upset about, but they decided not to just think about themselves, but to pay attention to someone else. You know, um, I think if you would have asked Peter and John if they had needs, I think they'd have said, yes, and certainly I have needs. In fact, I left everything I I had. I laid my business down. I dropped it all. I didn't sell it to the highest bidder. I just laid it down and I went after Jesus Christ. I left it all and now he's gone and I don't have a thing. I got needs. I should be the one at the gate going alms for the poor. What about me? They had needs as well, but they didn't let their own personal needs cause them to concentrate on themselves and forget the people around them that needed help. I mean, and we do that all the time. We, you know, we're so caught up in our needs, they, they, we forget about other people. But notice it says there, would you circle that? They looked straight at him. They looked straight at him. You know, I think we need to get out of our own problems and we need to look straight at other people and what's going on with them and we, we just forget. We forget so many times that we have needs and we're here to church, you know, to receive, not necessarily to give. Well, you know, we all look good around here. We dress up and we come and we smile, but this place is loaded with needs. There's a lot of crippled sinners around here. Come on, somebody, amen? And there's a lot of needs around here. You got a crippled preacher up here too, you know what I mean? We, we, we are all uh, have needs in our lives and we need to get out of ourselves and seize our one-day opportunity that we have today to do something for God. That's what this church, that's what the church is supposed to be about. You know, and uh, years ago when I went to, I traveled from Baton Rouge to go to Phoenix uh, 
first assembly there with Tommy Barnett. That's actually Matthew Barnett's father has a church there in Phoenix. Well, he actually turned the church over to his son, Luke. But, but years ago in like 95, I was going to a conference over there and I got on this bus and we were traveling all the way from Bethany all the way to Phoenix on these buses to go to this conference. And so we left, it was like 18 hours in a bus, you know. And, uh, and this other bus that was going with us uh, they started on the trip, and this was in the middle of the summer, and about four hours into it, their air conditioning broke. And so it's just hot. You know, imagine down Interstate 10 and going through Houston and all, man, it's just hot, and they had no air conditioning. They had a problem with the toilet in the back of the bus as well. And so you got hot, smelly, stanky bus, not to mention B.O., right? So it's just a nasty bus ride. They just keep trucking, you know? And so they're, they're running late because of the problems that they were having on this bus. And so they get to Phoenix. And there's a good friend of mine who was on this bus, and he told me this story later. He said they were lost. They were trying to find the church, and they couldn't find it, and they were way off track. This is way before GPS, young people. So don't, don't think that, you know, they were stupid. Just put it in the address. They didn't have GPS back then, right? They didn't have MapQuest back then, right? So... Um, so they're late and they're, they're trying to find it. So finally, my friend tells the bus driver, would you just pull over and I'll ask for help, directions on how to get there. So they pull over this little, little stop and rob, you know, a little 7-Eleven or something, you know. <laughs> and so, so there's, this, there's this man hanging outside the, the store and, and, and he looks like a, a beggar, a homeless type person. And so my friend says, hey man, we're trying to find this church, Phoenix versus Emily, you know where it is? And you know, we're going to this church conference and this guy looks at my friend and says, if your God loves you so much, why didn't he just show you how to get there? It's like, look, dude, I've been on a bus for 20 hours. It's hot, it's stinky. I'll bust you upside your head. No, that's what I would have done. But I'm a crippled beggar up here preaching, remember? So it's sinners. All right, so, um, so he says this to my friend and my friend looks at him and says, maybe my God loves you so much that he would take us all the way away from out of the, the way where we should be going just so that I could tell you that Jesus loves you. And yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And this, this, guy, this guy just welled up with tears and he was able to pray with him right there. And, uh, you know, he was able to, instead of his own needs, and I'm hot and I'm sweaty and we're late for church service and all that, he got out of himself, paid attention to this other person and what was really going on with him. How many of those opportunities do we have that we just, we just forget? My prayer for our church is that we would pay attention to other people's needs and not just our own. I also believe that one-day one churches or one-day people, they also inspire others. We don't, just, we don't just, you know, are willing to be interrupted and we don't just pay attention to their needs, but we also inspire others. Look what happened in verse five. It says, so the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. Man, that jumps out at me. Circle that in your notes, expecting to receive or get something from them. You know, there are two kinds of people in this world. Just however you break it up, no matter how you look at it, there's two kinds of people in this world. There are givers and there are takers. That's just, that's just the bottom line. That's just the way it is. And, uh, and, and I want, uh, I think really the acid test for somebody, whether they're a giver or a taker, as you can tell, and that is, uh, are, are they, um, uh, how do they give? What are they, I'm not just talking about money, but do they look at their life as to, to get all they can or to give all they can? You know, is their life about what they can consume or what they can contribute? 
And, and, and it's just a matter of fact, I mean, well, are you a giver or a taker? And it's not just money. It could be encouragement. Why do we hold on encouraging words sometimes like it's the most precious thing that we have? My precious, you know what I mean? You know, why, why do we do that? Why don't we give it out and encourage people and write notes and pat on the back and tell people that God loves them? Why, why is that so hard sometimes? Why, why can't we inspire other people? We use this term around here all the time. We call it life-giving. This church, I want it to be a life-giving church where we're just giving out life to people and helping people and looking for opportunities to sow some encouragement into other people. And, and you know, you can, you can always tell somebody that's a giver, man, people want to be around them all the time because they know they're going to get something from them. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. I don't necessarily, I mean, you, you look at some people and you go, whoa, I wish I had their personality. Man, they got such charisma. I wish I had their personality. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what charisma is. Charisma has nothing to do with personality because I know people that are quiet and seem to be shy that have an enormous amount of charisma and a lot of people around them. Why? Because they're givers, encouragers. They inspire other people. It has nothing to do with the personality type. See, people that uh, don't have charisma or people that are takers, they walk in a room and they wonder, what are people gonna say about me? What are they gonna think about me? Are they gonna notice me? Are they going to accept me? Are they going to talk to me? Does everything look okay? How do I look? But people that are one-day people that seize opportunities to give to other people, they walk in the room looking for somebody that needs encouragement. They got their eyes off themselves, and they have their eyes on other people. See, this is a part of our lives that really has nothing to do with a personality trait. It's just very simply this. Are you focused on self? Are you focused on other people? And this man was expecting to receive something. You know, I love the fact that people come to our church all the time and maybe it's their first time ever going to church or in a long time and they don't even know how to speak the Christian language, which is cool because I don't really think that's important. But they come here and they go, oh, I don't know what it is about this place, but everybody seemed excited like there's this spiritual energy. And I go, yeah, man, there's this spiritual energy. People are expecting God to do something. And if we live our life that way, guess what? People will be so attracted to us. We'll change this community. We'll change the Sun Coast. We'll make it easy for people to go to hell. It'll be hard for them. I mean, that'll be an easy thing to accomplish, making it hard for people to go to hell because we're just constantly looking at other people's lives and how we can encourage them and help them, inspiring other people. Let's give out some thank yous and some attaboys and some encouragement, man. I, I want my life to be where people like hanging out with me. People say, you know what? When I left, I just surround Randy and he just makes me feel better. He just encourages me. People come here showing up. There are people here today expecting to receive something. Are you going to be part of the solution or are you just going to be here for yourself? My prayer for our church is that we would seize our one-day opportunities because people are here today. People are in your life every day. They need something. They need Jesus Christ. They're crippled. They're begging. They're hurting. And they're all around us. And I think, Bayside, we need to seize those opportunities. Help other people come to know Christ and enjoy the benefits of serving him. I mean, thank God we're here and worshiping God so freely. How many people in our community don't have that yet? Let's seize that. Let's inspire them to go after God and to believe believe God to do great things in their life. And then the last thing I want to share with you is that a one-day church is willing to use what they have. A one-day person is also willing to use what they have. I love what Peter said in verses 6 and 7. He said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I mean, a lot of times we want to use that. Well, I only have to give money. I just can pray for people. 
Sometimes, you know, oh, I, you have a need. You hear somebody has a need. Oh, I just, I just pray for you. <laughs> I mean, that's a big cop-out sometimes. I'll just, I'll just pray for you. And, uh, and I don't, that's not necessarily what this is saying, that we don't always have to necessarily meet the physical need. It's just saying use what you have. So taking him by the right hand, who helped him up? Peter did. He helped him up. He did what he could. And, you know, when, when, when Peter was with Jesus and all the disciples were with Jesus, think about these three years of life that they saw. I mean, they, remember, they laid down everything to go after God, and they saw Jesus, you know, preach to thousands of people and miracles, and Jesus would look at them and go, hey, look, the things that I have done, you're going to do those and even greater. So you know inside Peter was this, I don't know, this burning desire of God, I want to do something great for you. I mean, Jesus spoke it over him and, and gave it to him. And, you know, Peter's carrying that around with him. And so, you know, he's got to be thinking, Lord, you know, what's going to happen? You know, we're, I'm going to rent a Coliseum and I'm going to preach and there's thousands and men are going to raise people from the dead. And then, you know, all these wonderful things that's going to be even greater than what you, you did, Jesus. You know that was inside him. But you know what Peter realized on this day? That opportunities happen through the one to lead you to the many. See, oftentimes in life, I, I know this church is loaded with people who want to do something big for God. I mean, you think, I want, to, I want to do something great. I want to be a missionary. I want to be a pastor. I want to start this ministry. I want to help couples or help the hurting or I want to build this community center or whatever it is. And it's just inside you is to do great things for God. And, and in doing that, oftentimes we will walk past the one to get to the many. So you don't get to the many till you reach the one. I pray that as a church that we'll understand if you're going to reach the many, you got to reach the one. And it's so easy to walk past the one to get to the many when the one is just as important as the many. You know, Jesus walked slowly through the crowd. He didn't just go to the crowds. He stopped for the ones. And when he stopped for the ones, then the crowds came. See, if you want to do something great for God, use what you have now. I mean, you want to do something great and minister to families or help hurting people, or maybe you, you, know, you say, God, I'm going to be a business person that's going to make millions and millions of dollars, and I'm going to help fund the kingdom of God. Well, but what are you doing now? I mean, we're waiting for the big thing to happen, and God is saying, well, use what you have now. Maybe you want to be involved in the school system and helping kids. Well, start with the kids that are around you now. You know, just start with what you have right now. Quit looking for the big thing. I mean, imagine Peter could have said, well, when I get some silver and gold, dude, I'm coming back and I'm going to hook you up, all right? Um, I'm coming back. I promise I'll be back. You know, I'll be praying for you in the meantime, all right? <laughs> he didn't do that. He gave him what he had. He used what he had. You see, if God's going to do great things in this community, and by the way, um, I think the church is the solution to what's ever happening in this community. I think the church is the solution to what's happening in this state. The church is the solution to what's happening in this nation. It's not a president, although we need to vote, and you need to vote scripturally and biblically and based on those values, but the answer is, is not an election, but we do need to vote. The solution is the church. And see, the, the church has to realize that every one is important. And see, when God does something great on this earth, he's going to use the church, but a one-day church is a one-day person. That's you. And God, when he does something great on this earth, he always uses people. It's always been that way. 
Always will be. He's, you know, Jesus has already done everything he's going to do. He came, lived on this earth, lived a sinless life, a perfect life. He hung on the cross. He died on the third day. Praise God, he came again. Then he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to do the work. He, he's done everything he's going to do. He's using people now to do that. It's always been that way. When the nation of Israel was in bondage, what did God do? I mean, he could have just wiped out Egypt, and then they would have been free. But he used one person. He used Moses. When the Israelites were ready to live into the promised land and they needed to conquer Jericho, God could have just wiped out Jericho, but he didn't. He used one man by the name of Joshua. When the Israelites were fighting the Philistines and there was a big giant named Goliath and everybody was in fear, God could have just thumped Goliath and killed him. But he didn't. He used one man. He used David. When this world needed a savior, God could have just said, there he is. There's my son. But he didn't. He used one person by the name of Mary. It's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. God's always going to use people. And my prayer for Bayside is that we would seize those one-day opportunities so that we can make an impact in this community for Jesus Christ. I don't know about you guys, but this message really hit me hard. Um, I can think of many opportunities that I missed, many one-day opportunities that I could have done something for someone and I didn't, whether I was too busy or didn't think I had the, the resources to do. But like he says, you know, use what you have. And in contrast to that, contrast to the many things that I missed, in my life. I contrast that with the one-day opportunities that people took with me. Times that I was helped when I was down. Times that I was taught when I needed to learn. It really made a difference in my life. And I can think of one specific one that really made a difference in my life way that my life has never been the same, which is when actually Jesus took the one day and extended his hand over to me so I could have eternal life, so I could actually be connected to him and be my relationship with God to be restored. That was many, many years ago, and it made a huge difference in my life. Maybe you're here today, and you need that opportunity. Maybe you want to establish a relationship with God and you haven't been able to do so. Sometimes we, we want to do it, but we just don't know how. Today may be your one day that God is in heaven right now and he's stopping just like, just like Peter and John did. He's stopping right now, just extending his hand over to you guys. If you guys can just, just stand on our feet. close our eyes and bow our heads. Just give privacy to the people next to you. This can be a life-changing moment for many of you here. Not if, if who I described, if that's you, if you want to set up a, a relationship, establish a relationship with God, and you want to take advantage that He's stopping right now, everything, everything is stopped. 
silence in the room. Everything is stopped. God is extending his hand. Jesus is extending his hand over to you right now. If that's you, just between me and you and God, just raise your hand. Now, if, um, if you feel that this message also hit you, if you feel that you could have taken advantage of one day's better to make an impact on people, to have that opportunity to make a positive impact on people. And if you want to, from now on, do that. From now on, just to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Just raise your hand boldly. Just say this prayer after me. Entire church, just say this prayer after me. Say, God, I thank you for your word. And I ask you, Jesus, to strengthen me, to make me sensitive to your Holy Spirit so I can see the one-day opportunities to bless people, to make an impact. Jesus with skin on. Lord, give me the strength to act on it. Show me what I have and how to use it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for a powerful word. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, powerful message, Lord, that really impacts our hearts. Lord, I pray that the strength that comes from you, Lord, that just comes straight to our hearts and that we're able, God, to simply give it back to the community, to be able to see, identify the needs, Lord, and be guided by, by your Holy Spirit to just make an impact on people. Lord, we know that we're not able to do anything great without you, so please just make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit and, and we, so then we may follow your promise, Lord, and just do great things in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's give a big hand to the Lord.